It's that time. Hey, Mitch. Mitchie. Mitchie, Mitchie, Mitchie. We're looking for you, pal. Mitch Sherman from The Athletic, talking Big Red. Unleash the fury, Mitch. Unleash the fury! On Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in Mitch Sherman from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman. On Twitter is where you follow him. You read him with The Athletic. Mitch, how's your Tuesday? Thanks for the time, man. Uh, nice Tuesday. How are you guys? We're good. Uh, Elijah's gotten some some fan mail that was not uh, flattering. Can you believe this, Mitch? I, and you, you spend enough time together on the Average Joe Sports Show that you know enough about me. I've been called a Kansas City Chiefs homer, which is just, it, it's out there. It's, it's out there, and I think that the people who would be saying that don't truly know me. Sounds outrageous. Uh, I don't know. What, I don't know what to say. I, I'm not. Where did they get that from, Elijah? We're just talking Kelsey and and, and Andy Reid bump during the Super Bowl yesterday, <clears throat> and <clears throat> Elijah's thoughts were, I, I, were I, different I, than mine and different from most of America's. I, I'm defending <laughs> Travis Kelsey in this circumstance, and apparently that makes me a Chiefs homer. You know, I'm kind of with you. I think if you've earned a, you've earned a certain level of um, ability to just basically do whatever you want. And that, that's where Travis Kelsey's at, within the football environment. Now, he can't go out in the streets and, and do whatever he wants, although I guess that's open for debate. But he's, he, he, he's, uh, he's untouchable, and that's, uh, that's what we saw. I think any, any, just about anybody else, now Mahomes could do that, but Anybody else bumps their coach in that fashion, and they're going to be taking a seat on the bench for the rest of the game. But Travis can do it, and uh, you know, if you can do it, you might as well just go ahead and and uh, take advantage of your freedoms. <laughs> <laughs> go bump Big Red. Why not? Why not? You know, as long as you don't hurt him. Sure. Would hate to see Andy Reid go down and get hurt, yeah. especially in the Super Bowl. Really, any time. That would that would not have been good. Andy Reid's the kind of guy that would coach through it, though. I think so too. Uh, Mitch, no easy transition when we talk injury, but uh, you have a story up and Jordy Ball uh, on Instagram announcing she's uh, done for this year with a knee injury, and we were all kind of holding our breath for the the best news, and and that was not to be. She'll battle back. She's an incredible competitor, but uh, tough news for Nebraska softball. Yeah, absolutely it is, and as the – as the days went on, and once Nebraska as a team got back to Lincoln on the weekend and we got into Monday and there had been no word, and I know a lot of people, including myself, had inquired about um, a prognosis, you know, a, a report on her injury with the school. And when nothing, nothing had come out, I, you know, I think the longer that it went, it, it, it was more ominous. And, you know, today – just confirmed, you know, I think what a lot of fears were in that it, that, it, that it is a serious injury. And, you know, fortunately, um, Jordy pitched just two innings this season, so she'll have no issue at all getting a medical hardship season for, for 2024. And, and, you know, she's, I don't think there's a way to spin it and say, well, this gives her time to, to settle in. Um, to look at it from look at things from a different perspective because there wasn't really the need for that. You know, Jordy went through an injury in her freshman year at Oklahoma that caused her to miss some time. 
Um, she's been back home in Nebraska since June, so this this debut was a long time coming. It's not like she got here two months ago and, and there she goes out on the field and didn't get the chance to soak it all in. She's had uh, several months for this to soak in, and, and the time was, was right for her to go out and lead Nebraska through a memorable season, but I'm sure when, when she comes out next year and is healed and is stronger because of this and has had the perspective of sitting in the dugout with Nebraska for a season, um, and certainly in 26 when she's, when she's playing, presumably, um, and otherwise would not be at Nebraska, if something special can happen in that season, then we'll look back at this with a different perspective. But really today and for the, for the, the near future, the next several months, it's, it's just a tough pill to swallow because she was – um, such as such a, a superstar on the softball field, and somebody that that even if you weren't a softball um, a follower of the sport, I think you were excited as a, as people, someone who follows Nebraska, to see what she was going to be able to do in that uniform. Yep, Mitch, we'll have to wait, t- wait twelve months. Today feels like a, a gut punch, and one of the places we went back in segment one. I'm not asking you to go there. Is it's kind of looking at the field conditions they were playing on in Mexico, and that's a natural place that people go. You always go there in the NFL when somebody tears a knee at MetLife Field. Well, that field must be cursed. But you really do look at that field that they were playing on in Mexico, and you have some, some questions about just how up to the standard of Division One Power 5 softball that this was. And, again, I'm not asking you to make any, any statements on that field. We haven't been there. We haven't walked the field. We don't truly know. But... In such a, a moment such as that, the third inning of your first start, it's just such a gut punch, and, and I guess maybe Husker fans just kind of want some answers on, on why. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there were other injuries. and I, I mean, it's dirt. It's not, like, it's not like a football field where you could have loose turf or um, you know, holes in the, in the, in the chunks in the, out of the grass. I mean, she wasn't running in the outfield when this happened. Um, it wasn't coming off of a mound. You know, in baseball, field conditions can be an issue if, if the mound's not not uh, tended to properly, but I mean, it's, it's a flat, flat surface, presumably a flat surface. And um, it's just dirt. I mean, I don't know that Mexican dirt is any different than Nebraska dirt or Oklahoma dirt, but, um, and it's not like Nebraska was there with a bunch of, uh, you know, underfunded softball programs that were looking for a, you know, a cheap trip. It was Oklahoma was in this tournament. Um, a pretty good softball program, uh, Washington, Nebraska played Duke in this tournament. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, obviously, I didn't walk on the field, didn't didn't see it, didn't even really see much more than some some video clips of it. But I, 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 in softball um, on the infield, I guess I, I I'm skeptical that um, it, it had much to do with it, anything other than it just being a freak injury. Mitch, you talked about that this is a very long-awaited debut and obviously a homecoming for Jordy Ball. If you're the team or just even Coach Ravel mentally, like how do you move on and, and move forward from this? Obviously they've probably known for a little bit longer than the public has, but how do you move on from such a, a big storyline and a big injury like this? I mean, injuries are part of the sport and this is, you know, I, I know that from a public standpoint, um, people have looked at Nebraska softball and, and Jordy became the face of the program when she announced her transfer, but um, in, the, in, in the reality is in their in their locker room in their in their dugout they've got veterans um, you know the Andrews sisters have been around this program for a long time and you know the sad thing is I, I get well there's a lot of sad things but one of the one of the, uh, the long lasting sad things that you can't really put a a positive spin on like saying hey she's going to be out there in 2026 when she otherwise wouldn't be is that she's not going to have the chance to to play now with the the 
the women who were seniors on this team. And some of them, you know, she has long histories with, and this was a, this was a, a reunion that they were very excited about. And, you know, it's, it's turning the page for Jordy from a competitive standpoint to 2025. But for the, the players on this team, you know, they're, they're going to have to just, just have resolve and, and, and be tough. I don't know what their situation is like at pitcher. That's obviously the biggest concern. When you have Jordy Ball, um, you think you're pretty set. In softball, one pitcher can handle a big workload and do most of your, your heavy lifting. And I'm sure that's what they expected from her this year. Somebody else is going to have to really step up, probably more than just than just one player. So it may not be the season that they were dreaming of, but um, you know that's that's in their hands. They they um, you know they can go multiple directions from this and feel sorry for themselves, or they can they can uh, show a lot of resolve as other teams have done, um, not just at Nebraska, but all, all over the place when a star player gets injured and and make something special this year. But, you know, we'll find out over the next three or four months. Mitch Sherman's with us from The Athletic at Mitch Sherman on Twitter. Mitch going to go to uh, win totals. Is over the weekend, FanDuel put out uh, win totals for the Big Ten, Ohio State and Oregon regular season at 10.5, Michigan, Penn State at 9.5. And, a half. and uh, how does this grab you with Nebraska at 7.5 as we uh, look towards the fall? Yeah, it was an eye-opener. Um, I would have thought, and if they're all on the halves, um, I would have maybe thought that it would be slotted at six and a half at this at this time. But that has to do with the schedule and, you know, Michigan coming off the Nebraska schedule, although Ohio State's coming on. And, and you know, just when Michigan loses its coach and, and is expected to take a, take a step back in the progression of its program, uh, the Wolverines go off the Nebraska schedule and, and – the Buckeyes come back on, and the, the Buckeyes, uh, Ohio State, appears uh, possessed in this this <laughs> off season to do whatever is necessary. You know, whether it's bringing in multiple five star quarterbacks or replacing one new offensive coordinator who was a former NFL coach with another new offensive coordinator who was a former NFL coach. It seems that Ryan Day is is going to leave no stone unturned. So that's obviously a, a a really difficult game on Nebraska's schedule to go to Columbus next year, but. It's just one game, and, and you know that that, that seven and a half number. Um, it it it's it looks to me to be like that. There there it shows a sign of optimism that there's a feeling around the 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 betting public, uh, the, the the in the in this this whoever sets this line, the handicappers, that Nebraska is going to be an improved program in, in 2024, and I think people feel that way. In Nebraska, um, it's interesting to see that, that that sentiment has spread outside of the of the state here only just, just in February, early portion of the offseason. Mitch, it feels like just about every single year there's a team that is projected to finish with four or five wins that really exceeds expectations. Last year, Northwestern exceeded expectations. I think two years ago, you probably go with Purdue and, and Aiden O'Connell. Three years ago, probably go Northwestern again. You go back to 2020, it's Indiana exceeding expectations. Illinois jumped up. Oh, Illinois, yeah, yeah, a couple years ago as well. When you look at some of the teams that are projected low, you have Minnesota predicted for four and a half. Purdue is predicted for four and a half. Northwestern also picked for four, uh, excuse me, five and a half. Illinois is at five and a half. Which of those teams that is predicted near the bottom of the conference do you think could make a jump up and, and get to bowl eligibility? Well, it seemed that Northwestern was a lot. I was going to say those 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 numbers seem like they're based in large part off of the recent memory of what these teams did in 2023. And and then I heard you say Northwestern, and and Northwestern had a uh, a dream season, um, considering where the Wildcats were projected 
in July after Pat Fitzgerald was removed just before the, the, the preseason began. Um, so I'm, I'm surprised to see that Northwestern is down there in the bottom group. But, and that's kind of where, always where Northwestern is when it stages uh, one, of those, one of those great seasons. When the, when the Wildcats struggle is, is when there are expectations for them. So um, if, they're, if they end up down, projected to have a losing record, then I'll just go ahead and say Northwestern's going to be good in, in 2024. But, you know, among the rest of them, um, it, it's, it's, I haven't gotten to the point, you know, where I'm studying uh, rosters for next season, even in the, the remnants of the, the Big Ten West, you know, which is usually the teams uh, that we follow more closely around here in Nebraska. I guess that's not the, that's not the case anymore. Um, but I, I, don't even, I haven't even, like, accepted that reality yet that, um, the Big Ten is a divisionless creature, and all of these programs need to be viewed the same. You've got 18 schools to to, to dive into in the off season. So, um, just just based off what you read right there, I'm going to say Northwestern is the one that overachieves. Mitch, appreciate the time as always. We'll get caught up again soon. Thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks a lot, guys.